Good morning. How important is it to be a person of your word? You know, your dad says to you, when you graduate from college, I'm going to buy you a car. If you're that kid, how important is your parent's word? Your boss says, you know, come January, I'm going I'm to give you a promotion and a 10% raise. Woo-hoo. There you go. <laughs> you want to believe that, right? Your class instructor says, everything on the test comes right out of the textbook. Right out of the textbook. Commence prayer, right? That that's true. Your congressman says, we're going to cut your taxes. You'd like to believe that, right? Your spouse-to-be says on your wedding day, I take you to be my wife, to be my husband. For better, for worse, in sickness and in health. Until death do we part. Surgeon says to you just before you go under, Just relax. I've done this surgery thousands of times. You want to believe that, right? The truth is, every one of us wants people around us or men and women of their word. That's what we want. And the truth is also that everybody around us wants us to be a person of our word. In our heart of hearts, every one of us wants to be a person of our word. And it shouldn't surprise us that God would want us to be a person of our word as well. But it's not easy, and that's why it doesn't proliferate to the extent any more than it does. And uh, we're in a series that uh, we've been in the last few weeks, Help Me Understand Holiness. And uh, this is sort of our latest installment in that, mess- in that series. This message is, you know, our world, our nation desperately needs a fresh wave of holiness over it. If you question that, watch the news. But uh, true holiness, if you know what it is, is an empowering, beautiful thing. It changes individuals. It changes and frees nations and cultures. It is the foundation of all freedom. Apart from holiness, there cannot be a sustained freedom in any nation on the planet. I could spend a long time illustrating that. But it is the foundation of all freedom. It is what made America great one day. It was not that everybody was a follower of Jesus. It was that everybody ascribed to what it meant to walk in holiness. Whether they... Name the name of Christ or not. They just recognized right from wrong and they embraced it and lived according to it. And those who did not, uh, there were consequences for it. And those who did, they were celebrated. They were heroes of the country. And when that kind of holiness proliferates in a nation and in a culture of people somewhere, love and joy and patience and kindness and faithful and gentleness are free to, to spread. And there's truthfulness and and there's self-control, and people are concerned about others and not just themselves. And every one of us has been made by God to live that kind of life. Every single one of us are called to that kind of life. This series is all about that. This book is all about how to live that kind of life. And today we're going to look at Scripture together, be taught by Jesus on how to keep our word. So if you have your Bible, open it 
to Matthew chapter 5. That's the passage that we're going to be in this morning. Matthew chapter 5. We're going to start at verse 33. And what we're going to talk about today has significant implications for business, for marriage, for your family if you're a parent or or a child for that matter. This has significant uh, influence on things like national security, on your spiritual life. I could make a long list of things that what we're going to talk about today has uh, has influence and effect on. My hope is that as we uh, work our way through what Jesus has to say to us today that you'll just process all of that and that you'll more fully devote yourself to being the kind of person who's even more consistent at being a man or a woman of your word. Matthew three or 5, verse 33, is where we're going to start. And this is what Jesus has to say. It's the famous Sermon on the Mount as he's teaching here. And he says this, You have also heard that our ancestors were told, You must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. But I say... Do not make any vows. Do not say by heaven, because heaven is God's throne. And do not say by the earth, because the earth is his footstool. Do not say by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Do not even say by my head, for you can't turn one hair white or black. This is one illustration where Jesus maybe didn't see our day coming. Uh, we can, I saw turquoise hair the other day. Uh, we can do funny things with hair. Actually, that's, I don't think what he's talking about. Um, verse 37, he concludes by saying, Just say a simple, yes, I will, or no, I won't. Any, anything beyond this, he concludes by saying, is from the evil one. You know, Jesus is sharing here in these verses some of his wisdom. And if we take his counsel seriously, every one of us can become more consistent at being a person who keeps our word. And for the next few minutes, we're going to focus our attention on three keys to keeping promises, to keeping our vows. Three keys that if we'll take seriously, will change us, will change our entire relational sphere, and if enough of us do it, can change the world. Jesus touches on a lot of things in these verses, and the first key that he hits on is this. Don't make vows. Don't make promises. You, you want to be a person who keeps your vows and promises, just, just don't make so many. Good place to start is just make fewer promises, fewer vows. And Jesus' point in these verses was not to say that we should just avoid swearing an oath if you're the President of the United States to be. He's not saying that. He's saying don't, not saying don't take the oath of office. He's not saying don't... Uh, swear an oath of honesty in a court of law, you know, where you swear uh, to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God. He's, he's not saying don't do that. He's not saying we should avoid wedding vows. In context, he's highlighting the fact that the commandment's already been communicated, Numbers 30, verse 2, where he just, just says, you, you make your vows, you keep your vows. Don't break your vows. You must carry them out. He's, he's highlighting that. And in context, when he says don't make any vows, what he's saying is you'll break fewer vows if you make fewer vows. You'll break fewer promises if you make fewer promises. Because guess what? If you make one, you've got to keep it. That's what his point is. Verse 34 here. Which is to say, if we don't promise to make a casserole dish... Or to help fix someone's car. Or to eat less and exercise more. Or if we don't promise to give money to someone or something, we don't risk 
breaking our promises. We can still do those things if we want, of course, but we've not, hear this, we've not put our reputation at risk by making a promise, a vow, that we don't keep. Don't make vows. Don't make promises. Have you noticed that it's, it is just everywhere? I mean, we make promises about things. Jesus is just saying, throttle back on the promises. Just make fewer. So you can deliver on the ones you make. Second key to becoming someone who's more consistently a person of their word, as we listen to Jesus here in these verses, when you and I do make a promise or a vow, we need to eliminate hidden exit clauses. We need to eliminate hidden exit clauses. Now, here's what I mean by that. You know, and some of you maybe can identify with this. Some of you maybe just think I grew up weird in Oklahoma, and um, maybe I did. Uh, when I was a kid, sometimes we'd, uh, we'd be playing games. We'd be playing wiffle ball. And uh, as we would run the bases on a home run that just sailed out there. Do you even remember what wiffle ball is? Do we even know what it is? Yeah, a handful. It's a little plastic ball, plastic bat. You can still buy them. We'd play wiffle ball after work, after school or whatever, which felt like work uh, back in those days. It was not fun. Education was not fun back then. So anyway, we'd hit, hit, a, hit a ball and be sailing way out there, and there would be some dispute about whether or not the person who hit that ball actually touched second base as they were on the bases because you were going to be out if you did not touch second base. And uh, then you remember what would happen? They'd say, did you do that? And the person who ran the bases would say, yeah, I did that. Kind of cross the finger. Remember this? It was, you kind of cross your finger. Yeah, yeah, I touched second base. I did. What's going on when you would cross your fingers back, you know, decades and decades, eons ago when this was, was done? You know what was going on. I mean, when you crossed your fingers, you didn't have to tell the truth. You didn't, you didn't have to keep the promise. You promised somebody that you were going to give them your pencil after class. Or you promised them some other thing. And you'd kind of do this, and, uh, and you, didn't have to, you didn't have to follow through on your promise, right? This is what it is. It's an escape hatch, you know, for your, for your promise. You could, you could get all the benefits that come with saying what everybody wants to see, hear you say and doing whatever you want to do in that moment without any consequences. Well, Jesus is essentially saying here in the text that if we're going to restore trust, if we're going to become someone who's trustworthy, you and I have got to eliminate hidden deceit, spin, rationalization, exit clauses, you know, escape hatches of this sort. And here's how Jesus made that point to the people of his day. He said, if you're going to make a promise, a vow... The way it happened in his day is people would say, well, you know, I promised by God that I'm going to help my neighbor rebuild his or her fence. I'm going to do that. Or, or by the name of Jehovah, I will help you with that. Well, what was the problem with that if you're that person? According to Numbers 30, verse 2, you've got to keep the vow. You've got you to follow through on the promise. You've got to do it. There are consequences for not following this. So what do people do? You know, it became common for them to, you know, by heaven, I will help you do this. 
or, or, or by the earth or by, by the city of Jerusalem, the great city of Jerusalem, the city of the great king, or by my head, I will help you to do this or that. People would, would, would make exclamatory kind of statements like that. And here's what they were doing. They were, they were escape clauses, escape hatches. They were, it was like crossing their fingers as they said the words. It was sort of a contractual ambiguity that was understood by everybody that I wasn't really going to do that I, because I said it this way. And, and Jesus' opinion of this is really clear in the text. If you look in the middle of verse 34, he just says, Don't say by heaven because heaven is God's throne. Don't say by earth because the earth is his footstool. And don't say by Jerusalem for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Don't even say by my head you can't turn one hair white or black. He just said just, just don't do that kind of thing. He's saying eliminate the hidden exit clauses. Get rid of the deceit, the spin, the rationalization. Get rid of that tendency to say one thing and mean Another, the duplicitous kind of communication that becomes normative in a culture like us is a threat to becoming a person of your word. Jesus is saying, if you're going to be that kind of person, a person, person of your word, you've got to get rid of that. Don't say that kind of thing. Don't do that. And then Jesus gives us a third key in the text to becoming someone who's consistently a person of their word. We agree to do something or we just need to keep our promises simple. According to Jesus, look at verse 37 in the text. He says, just say a simple, yes, I will. No, I won't. It's interesting. He says anything beyond this, it's from the evil one. It's, it's just like he said, anything more than that makes me think of the evil one is what he's kind of alluding to here. If you remember the evil one in Genesis chapter 3, he spun Adam and Eve with sly promises and smooth words. And Jesus just wants us to understand that trustworthy people don't need to do that. We're going to be trustworthy. You just let your life, your actions speak for themselves. You keep your words simple. Don't try to impress everybody with grandiose, flowery promises. Just keep it simple. Yeah, I'll do that. No, I'm not going to do that. And, of course, he's not just talking about our interactions with humans on the horizontal plane. He's talking about our our relationship with God as well. When it comes to your relationship with God, you don't have to make grandiose, flowery, King James-esque promises. Just from a place of humility and simplicity, let your yes be yes, your no be no. When you look at today's text, I mean, the question that just arises, what promises have you made to the people who are part of your life? Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your employer. Maybe you made promises to your parents. 
Maybe you've made promises to someone else. Are you hiding behind some rationalization, some rationale, some some loophole, some excuse? If you get your fingers crossed behind your back, it's like you're just sort of saying, you're saying this, but you mean something else. And Jesus, through his word, has sort of brought that to light this morning, and he's just saying, not for you. You're my child. You're my son. You're my daughter. You're capable of more. You're capable of better. Rise to the occasion. Be a person of your word. Keep your promise. Fulfill your vow. You choose to, this morning to be a person of your word. What promises have you made to God? Maybe you said, I'm going I'm to be baptized. I'm going to fast once a week, God. I'm going to do that. I'm going to read my Bible through this year. I'm going to get in a small group. I'm going to do the right thing at work, God. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do it. Even if it costs me, I'm going to do that. Promises. These or others have you made to God. Will you do what you said you do? You become a person of your word. This is a big, big deal if you haven't thought very deeply about it lately. We live in an age of unprecedented deceit, hype, verbal smoke and mirrors, rationalization. Just look at all the adjectives we have to describe it and others that I could stack up. The world has never seen like deceit like we see in our day. If you and I are going to be the people of God, if we're going to be the children of God, if we're going to be holy, if, we're, if our nation is truly going to be free, it's going to, it's going to be because you and I choose to be people of our word. And it doesn't begin in Washington or in your corporate office you know, where you work or somewhere else. It begins right here with me, you. God wants us, needs us to be people of our word. With his help, we can do that. But we need his help. Maybe this morning you just need to look heavenward and just say, Lord, apart from your help, I can't follow through on some of the things I've promised to do. It's interesting. You can go back in Scripture. If we had time, we can go back through several passages that just paint this picture of like if you, if you made a hasty vow, you can go back and negotiate with the person and get out of it. There's, there's those kinds of things. It's interesting, though. It's kind of like you don't just say, oh, I don't want to do that. And so I'm not going to do that, and they'll understand. That's, that's not the biblical picture. The biblical picture is, no, if you've made a vow, you kind of go back and make that okay. Work through it. Some of us, that just fries our circuits because we just think, ugh, it's like a knot in our stomach. But this is part of why Jesus says, I say, don't make vows. 
Don't make these promises. He's protecting us from that. Maybe this morning the Holy Spirit is saying, you need to work this out. And, and what you need this morning is just help from heaven to follow through. Because here's the thing. God made you and me to be people of integrity who keep our promises and keep our vows and our world will be a better place if we do. Our marriages will be better. Our parent-child relationships will be better. Everything about our lives will be better, substantively better. And it's amazing when you kind of get this sorted out in your life, when you lay your head on your pillow at night, Sleep is sweet. Because you're just not thinking about this promise I broke, this undone thing. It's what God wants for you, for all of us. I want to close with a quote from the late Christian author and speaker, Louis Smeeds. He writes this. Listen carefully as we wrap up. He says, yes, somewhere... People still make and keep promises. They choose not to quit when the going gets tough because they promised once to see it through. They stick to lost causes. They hold on to a love grown cold. They stay with people who have become pains in the neck because they still care enough to keep the promises they made. He concludes by saying, I want to say to you that if you have a ship, you will not desert. If you have people, you will not forsake. If you have causes, you will not abandon. Then, then you are like God who always keeps his promises and never abandons us. God says, be holy because I am holy. This is what he's called us to. Let's stand together. We're going to close in prayer. And as we wrap up, I'm going to pray that God will help us in this area. Maybe this morning you need to just give your life to Jesus because the truth is you need his spirit filling you to give you the strength to do the right thing. We can pray for you about that. We can come down afterwards and be happy to pray with you. Be happy to help arrange for you to be baptized one of these days as a physical statement with your body that I'm, I'm choosing to follow and obey Jesus. Not just today, but always. All the days of my life. Maybe, maybe you made a promise somewhere along the line. I'm going to be baptized. That's what the Bible teaches. Maybe today you just need to follow through on that promise and say, I'm going to obey. Let us know. We can help you with that. Maybe you've got some other need in your life you'd like us to pray for you about. Some crisis, some health issue. We'd be happy afterwards to pray for you. But let's bow our heads pray, and then we'll be dismissed, and we'll pray with anybody who has a need. Lord Jesus, we're grateful for your grace. We thank you that you always keep your word. And one of your promises was that you would never leave us, you would never forsake us. You've given us the truth and the promise that greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. You promise that, yes, in this world you'll have trouble, but fear not, for I have overcome the world. On and on your word goes, just the promises that you have made 
and you demonstrate your faithfulness day in and day out. And this morning as we're here, you've called us to be that kind of person. Maybe to not make as many promises as you've made, but you've called us to keep the ones we do make. Help us, God. Help us to be the kind of people that verbal agreement's all that's needed. You can do business on a handshake because our word is good. Pray, Father, for our marriages that you'll help us to, to obey in that area. Help us to obey as parents and children. Help us to, help us to be this way in business settings and in, in our national responsibilities and, and our relationship with you. Thank you that you always keep your word. Fill us with your spirit that we might become people who keep ours. Fathers, we leave this place. Help us to put all this into practice. Help us to, would you forgive us for those times in the past where we've fallen short? Because there's not one of us in this room who hasn't crossed our fingers and said one thing and done another. Request is that going forward, by the power of your spirit and with your presence, you'd help us to be different. For the good of your kingdom, for your reputation, for ours, for the benefit of our nation and our community, our families. It's in Jesus' name we pray now. We lift these things. Amen.